Welcome to My Friends in the North with PR and management consultant Sarah Waddington as she interviews some of the leading lights in the north of England about their work, the economy, communications and what makes them tick. Hello and welcome to My Friends in the North and today we're going to delve into the world of healthcare because I'm chatting to Northumbria Healthcare NHS Foundation Trust Director of Communications and Corporate Affairs and WAM enthusiast Claire Riley. Claire, welcome to the show. Thank you very much. You can't get anything more than a best WAM song. Well this is true. Oh, R.I.P. George, we love oh, you. Oh, I know, I know, we but I still you. listen to them. Yeah, me too, all the time. Did you know that I actually went to Razzmatazz and I seen them play Wake Me Up Before You Go-Go at Razzmatazz, so there's nothing better than that. <laughs> I was 11-year-old. You've trumped me, you know, that's good though. It's a great way to start. Mm-hmm. But let's kick off because I've got a number of quite meaty questions for you. Mm-hmm. Um, we first met around 10 years back and we were both on a common purpose course focused on leadership. Do you remember? I had forgot about that. Yeah, yeah. It was, that was a good 10 years back now. Now, you have a big role today, which we'll come on to. And I also know that you've worked into some strong and progressive characters. Tell me what you think makes a successful leader. I think, I think there's too many people look at leadership as if it's control. And they think, right, that means that I'm in control of everything. And I think what makes a good leader is when you can actually empower others to lead. There's been a lot of teaching around this from Bill George at Harvard through to many, many leadership theorists. But, you know, for me, my job is to empower others to do and to lead within their field. And I think all leaders should should do that. I think it's a really tough job. But... But if you don't do that, it, it just then ends up a bit of a, a control and a power base that actually that's not what leadership is all about. Have you been able to learn that in practice from your leaders? I think, I think yes. I think you learn from the best. You also learn from people who you don't want to emulate as well. And, and we've all been there, seen they got that T-shirt. There's, there's no doubt about it. But I'm, I've been really blessed to work with some fantastic people throughout my career. And actually in the North East... I've never not worked in the northeast and I've been really lucky to be able to stay in the northeast as well and you know it's 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 a great accolade for our region. Yeah that's fantastic that the north can actually hold talent here mm-hmm. uh, for that exact reason. Um, let's talk about your place of work so where we're sat today uh, Northumbria Healthcare NHS Foundations Trust. Um, the trust was actually one of the first to gain foundation status and it's got a rating of outstanding by the Care Quality Commission. Now, that's a really big thing. It's, it's no uh, mean feat. How integral is comms to its successful operation and to the NHS more generally? Yeah, I mean, firstly, we wouldn't get outstanding if our care and our safety and our, overall our organisation um, was generally outstanding. You know, it, we we have an, a huge amount of substance behind that outstanding rating and, and it's a great organisation to work for in, in that respect. And actually, as an organisation, we don't settle for mediocrity. We are constantly looking to push the barriers and that gives from a comms marketing and engagement point of view a really good space for us to operate within so if we didn't have the good content we wouldn't be able to do our job but but also we we get involved in the conversation early I'm lucky to to sit around the board table I'm lucky to sit around execs to 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 have really strong relationships at that level and it allows me to be able to both advise 
but also look to do something different. So whether or not it's us getting involved in supporting sepsis campaigning um, or recruitment and making sure that we have one of the lowest re- uh, recruitment gaps uh, for nurse recruitment in, in the country through to just generally supporting our culture, making sure that that we're, we're embedding you know who we are and what we do. And, 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 and the internal comms piece obviously quite crucial in terms of you know all the people on the front line that you've got in managing their expectations oh absolutely i mean we've got over ten thousand staff one thousand of them are actually volunteers doing a fantastic job so ten percent of our workforce technically act as if they are staff because we've got that culture that we don't separate them we don't discriminate just because they are volunteers actually they play an integral role in our organization and our success so the internal and the external piece is really essential because you've got to remember you know working and living in northumberland north townside where one of the main employers you know you you live and work tend to be in the same area so you have to have that pride uh, both both in the organization that you're working for but actually also in the community that you're living within because we're all adding that value let's go uh, delve a bit deeper into that that um piece on professionalism so bit of a challenging question big public sector organizations have been known in the past and this will resonate to carry out mass recruitment of journalists and usually it's to try and get stronger media coverage and message cut through and i think the nhs has been no different i know you and i have discussed this in the past i also appreciate it's trying to change that but as a network as effectively like a network of organizations under one umbrella so it's got to be a challenge hasn't it what how's it going and, and is it working and what more would you like to see happen and I know we've discussed this in the past, but but I think from a from a communications point of view, it's really really easy to view or, or for others to view us as just in the in the realms of media. And I, actually, I think this happens everywhere, doesn't it? Yeah, I mean, the thing is, public relations is constantly seen as media relations. Uh, it's a battle we're always fighting. Absolutely, right? and it drives me up the wall because media should and will only be only a small part of our role now from a from an employing journalists or employing marketeers or employing pr specialists actually we all have different skills we all come at it from different angles and it's about how do we use the mix of those skills to actually deliver us that whole piece because actually journalists have their day it's you know oh, yeah. we and have they've got skills that are absolutely critical absolutely. to you know an imp- uh, a PR department uh, absolutely yeah. and we have journalists in, in in our team but we also have marketeers we also have engagement specialists we all have digital communication specialists mm-hmm. and PR PR specialists there's something around it it's, it's the sum of the the part that makes the whole yeah. and journalism and if you purely just employ journalists in a communications team I mean, ultimately, it depends on the leader. But if they purely focus on journalism and media, it is a one-dimensional from a communications in that continuum of marketing, communications, and engagement. Yeah, I just get really frustrated. I mean, you see journalists going into big public sector jobs at, like, top-level, director level, and you just think they will be brilliant in terms of the media side of things. But stakeholder engagement exercise exactly. writing a strategy that fits the organization objectives they will and it's not fair on them as much yeah. as anything so it's not that i'm criticizing journalists no, it's no, just that it's not fit for purpose Abs- absolutely and it's back to it's a skills mix it's all about the skills skills mix but but then you could argue you have people leading teams that aren't even qualified to actually lead teams in communications, marketing and engagement they may have the badge of have been a chartered cipr or cim 
but they haven't got the qualifications to do the job. They may have sat in a role doing some level, small level of communications activity, but they're not all of a sudden find themselves as a comms director. Yeah. That, that just beggars belief for me. Yeah. You wouldn't, if you were a chartered institute of management accountants, just because you've counted numbers for nine years or eight years doesn't make you seem accredited. And it's about lifelong learning as well, isn't it? So these people, or even if they've got a qualification late in the past, you know, back in the past, it, things have changed so rapidly Absolutely. that it's really important that we all keep up to date. I've just enrolled on an Oxford SAE course on um, executive leadership, you know, and I think that's really, really important that I'm practicing what I preach. Absolutely. I spent all last year talking about PR as a strategic management function. Yeah. We need the we need the management skills. I, I I agree, but there's also something around investing in your leadership capacity too. So so likewise about the people who haven't necessarily got the qualification base to do the job, there's also something around if people get to director level because they're a good practitioner, mm. doesn't mean that they're a good leader. Exactly. So you have to invest in that leadership capacity and, and capability and just because you are a good practitioner doesn't necessarily mean you can lead a team but you've got in the nhs there's a really good leadership program isn't there and you look at the, the next generation of talent and they're often you know picked to go on that is that right yeah the the leadership academy and other organizations have really strong uh, from graduate trainees actually from apprenticeships we've got some great stories of apprenticeships coming in at 16 who are now leading teams within Amazing. the organization and and actually are the are the future chief execs there's no doubt about it and and likewise graduate managers air trainees you know we've got examples of graduate management trainees who are who are leading our organization all over the place so so in in those are examples across the nhs and too often people don't necessarily see the nhs as a career choice they think you have to be a doctor or a nurse and you right, don't okay. and you don't mm-hmm. you know there there are hundreds of different roles that you can fulfill within the nhs not enough people look at any on nhs jobs well there's um, a call to action for uh, everybody absolutely, <laughs> absolutely but the, it's 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 huge the opportunity that can uh, that can be within the NHS and it's a great organisation to work for. You talked a little bit about innovation um, there and how you know you try to push the boundaries. What's fascinating about the NHS is that it's much more entrepreneurial than the public might think. I know that your role encompasses all sorts of things that people just wouldn't necessarily expect so can you give some examples of how you're deployed to help other organisations in your job and, and how you do innovative revenue generation? Yeah. I don't think it's, I mean I can talk to you about how I'm deployed and I will, I will do but there is something about the culture of the organisation first that entrepreneurial spirit has got to start right from the top and I think here in Northumbria by nature we are set up to do something different and so so whilst our core business will always be the provision of healthcare services and outstanding healthcare services in North Tyneside and Northumberland. We also know that we have a big part to play in, in our impact on the local economy and our impact on overall how healthy North Tyneside and Northumberland communities are from a from a health point of view, but also thrive from an economic point of view. So for Northumbria, we actually run the fourth largest fleet business in the country. At any given time, we have 20,000 cars on the road. I see that's something I bet people didn't know. Exactly. So we run home electronics, where, where we do, through salary sacrifice, allow people to, to buy fridges, uh, cookers, computers, you, you name it, anything that you can imagine, and it comes off your salary sacrifice. We run payroll services for 60 other NHS organisations. I can go on, but that entrepreneurial base has also allowed us the space for corporate services then to 
to become more entrepreneurial. So, so I provide services to a range of other NHS organisations and other organisations too. We look at um, sponsorship opportunities for, for things. So our staff awards uh, will be in September. It is cost neutral to us as a trust, but we secure £45,000 sponsorship to, wow. to, to help fund the activity that actually happens on the day and celebrate staff success. So we have advertising uh, deals. We, we do a range of things that bring income back into the NHS, but allows us that space to actually invest in some different and quirky things that, that, that allow us to do our job. But, but then we've also got international development. So in partnership with Northumberland County Council, um, we've, we've delivered a contract in Dubai supporting uh, their um, innovation around uh, urgent and emergency care. We've signed a deal in China and we're just starting that work in China. I mean, who would have thought the NHS is advising in China? But, but you know, we are a great organisation. We know we're great. And from here in the northeast. And from here in the northeast. It's amazing. Exactly. Right, something else that people might not know, but you're a freeman of the City of London. Tell us how that came about. Oh, God knows, really. But uh, <laughs> So it, it was in a former life, actually. I, um, I work for Northumbrian Water. And the water industry, by nature, has has different networks, as you can appreciate. And uh, there is a worshipful company of plumbers, which is aligned quite closely to the water industry that I was asked to join. Now, I don't know if you know the history of the worshipful companies in London, but there, there's there's an awful lot of history behind it. Okay. I've actually got a rule book for behaviours that you have to adhere to, um, and and what I can do in that includes taking your sheep over London Bridge. Yes, that's a big tradition. Indeed. Yeah. So um, so yeah, the to become a member of a worshipful company, and and the worshipful company of plumbers is actually one of the oldest worshipful companies. Um, you have to ha- be a freeman of the city of London. Well, there you go. So hence why I am the freeman of the city of London. I love this fact though, it's <laughs> brilliant. You're also mum to two girls, well young ladies now because they're 17 and 21. What do you perceive to be the big challenges they face today and how have you prepared them for the world of life, love and work? Now that's a hard one because as you know I've got a blended family of five and they range from almost 21 down to seven so I appreciate it's it's, uh, anxiety provoking at times. Yeah I think that question's almost like looking for the holy grail let's face it and I think think actually being a mother or being a parent is really difficult Mm. isn't it? Especially when you've got a job and, and, and you're trying to do the best for them, you're trying to fulfil a profession role and everything and and actually being a parent is probably the hardest job anybody can ever do I think bar none and so I think there's something around you don't get a you don't get a book with instructions do you (laughs) yeah absolutely not and always finding their way yeah I think there's something around um you know we we should big up uh how how difficult it is juggling and balancing Mm. life by nature but but trying to support kids and nurture kids as they're as they're on their journey while while you're still trying to keep up on your journey as well as well it's it's bloody and we're going to be working for a lot longer nowadays yeah there's no there's no end in sight i'm depressing myself a little bit let's move on but but i suppose in some respect that that's a question that's best aimed at my kids Mm. but for me what i try and do is instill a bit of inner belief in themselves and resilience and resilience and actually just try and be confident not everybody's going to like you let's face it and nobody yeah. you know, nobody has well, it that's the, you know everybody likes yeah, you you're obviously born exactly <laughs> ex- exactly but um but yeah it's that inner resilience and hard work yeah no way remember to that i'm going to ask you a political question which mm. might put you on the spot a bit 
drives me mad this, but the NHS is so regularly used as a football by MPs. And actually, we've seen it really uh, recently because the government announced an extra 1.8 billion for frontline services, apparently new money. But actually, it's not new money, but money that the trusts have saved through cuts already, and they were you've been previously forbidden to spend. And thankfully, the media are actually doing their job and you know persevering with the questioning to get to the bottom of this. But surely this must be very frustrating for anybody working within a trust and it must be very difficult as a comms person who's having to manage staff and patient expectations. Yeah, and it, it's an interesting question, if I'm honest, Sarah, because ultimately the NHS is apolitical. It can't get involved in any political commentary and, and I can't be drawn on, on questions of, of that nature. But what I will say is that money is always well received in the NHS. And what I think people should judge the NHS on are patient outcomes. And 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 is it delivering the goods locally? And and if you if you talk to you know there's two, over two hundred organisations, two hundred plus organisations that make up up the NHS, massive amount of different organisations. And what do people think out there in the real world? Really, they just see it as the NHS. They well, yeah. don't they don't they understand yeah. the multiple type organisations. It's as long as they get care when they need it. And I think we have to keep focused on patient outcomes. And, yeah. and if they start to dip, it's up to other people. It's above my pay grade to determine who gets what from a money point of view. Mm-hmm. But we, we need to, to just you know, focus and judge us on our outcomes. And, and if that's not working, somebody needs to do something about it. Fair um, enough. Good, good answer, bearing in mind the, the uh, it's tricky for you, I know yeah. that. Let's move on to public health then, because you see and help create lots of campaigns which are aimed at helping people live longer, healthier lives. What lifestyle choices should we all be adopting at the moment so that we can help relieve pressure on the NHS but just have a happy life? So that's probably best asked of public health professionals and clearly I'm not one of them but I work really closely with uh, Judith Stonebridge who is our public health uh, consultant for for the Trust. And and you just need to look at the statistics around what are are the biggest influences that impact on on your lifestyle and smoking clearly is, is one of them. Uh, alcohol is another. Yeah, I need to deal with that. Yeah, don't, don't we? <laughs> Obesity is a, is another. And and um, I've previously been quoted around. Uh, I, I was asked a question about um, a recent campaign that had obesity on a smoking a cigarette packet. Um, and and the question is whether or not obesity will become as as toxic uh, as smoking from a from a um, a culture point of view in this country. And I think we've gone. We've made significant inroads in smoking prevalence, there's no doubt about it. But we've had to get the information out there. And, and if you talk to some of uh, some colleagues in Fresh, um, uh, which is the Smoke Free campaign, um, you know they have to be pretty hard-hitting to actually have an impact on those that ultimately are still smoking. And there's a lot of debate as to whether vaping, people still should vape. If you talk to public health consultants, they'll say vaping is better than smoking. And cigarettes, but it's still not great. But you know, it's best not doing doing any of it. And actually, again, if you think of content from a marketing and communications point of view, fantastic content to allow us to engage the public. Ultimately, the public will make their choices and right yeah. and but right, help them with their behaviour and rightly so, and, and nudge them along to ah, a healthier life. Absolutely, yeah. and make them realise celebrate I guess their successes because they're feeling better as they go absolutely that's definitely how it's shifted hasn't it in terms of telling or 
shaming people yeah. to actually look how well you're doing yeah. and don't you feel better for it. Absolutely. And, and sometimes, you know, the if you look at some of the other issues from a public health point of view, sexual health and people's choices around that, you know, we some of these things just don't need to happen. There's a there's enough available to us to allow us to control that and and teenage pregnancies is another one and there's 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 just a lot of information and opportunity out there you just need to know where to get help from how to access it uh, yeah absolutely okay let's close on something a bit lighter what's the best book you've read recently either work related or at home or both so I have to openly admit I don't really get that much choice of uh, or opportunity of reading no, me either. reading books so I'm going on holiday soon and I've actually just purchased Andrea McLean's The Menopause and Me okay so, so that's a bit of both, actually. So yeah, yeah. So so I, I'm looking forward to reading that, and uh, it's good to see the menopause being discussed so openly now. Yeah. Obviously, um, I'm trying to think what her name is. Uh, Louise on the BBC. But yeah, absolutely. Yeah. She's, she's doing that great. Yeah. you know, quite yeah. a lot for raising awareness of it and allowing people just to more, free, more comfortably discuss it. Yeah. So it should be things you can talk about in the office. Oh, yeah, exactly. I'm going for a smear after this. You know yeah, what I mean? Absolutely. <laughs> oh, yeah. I, put, I put it on Facebook and everybody, all the men went, oh, too much information. And I was like, look, love, it's as important as checking your balls. You know? But it's really <laughs> important that we talk about this yeah. because if you think, we, we refer to the Jade Goody effect where people, uh, yeah. um, uh, when, when she was diagnosed and, and, and sadly died, the. the amount of people taking up cervical uh, it screening peaked. It, mm. it peaked mm. but since then it's been declined I, I have regular conversations who, with very bright women who mm. say I'm actually not going going for a smear test and I'm like you know, why and, yeah. and they have their reasons why and I'm like why it just doesn't make sense 20 minutes out of your life which could save your lie life lie back think of England well, it's exactly. all you know exactly. it's, it's, it's how it is so, go on so yeah but, yeah indeed <laughs> indeed but but from a, the menopause point of view you know there's 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 things that we need to understand what's going on in our bodies. And very often, until you've gone through it, you, you don't. Yeah. And, you know, I, I'm just starting on, on this journey and I need to understand more about it. Mm. And it looks pretty scary to me. Yeah. <laughs> but, you know, every woman has gone through this. So we just... And it's, it's almost inconceivable that we're only starting to talk about it now. Yeah, it's badness, isn't it? Well, at least that's starting to change, which is all good. Indeed. Claire, thanks so much for chatting to me. It's really been fascinating, and I love finding out more about the NHS. If you'd like to keep up to date with what Claire's up to, you can connect with her on Twitter, and her handle is at the 4 Well, we're now well into the first series of My Friends of the North, but if you or a client would like to be involved, as ever, do drop me a line. I'm sarah at astute.work. But bye for now and see you next time. Thank you for listening to My Friends in the North with Sarah Waddington. You can find Sarah on Twitter at Mrs underscore Wads or get involved with the podcast by emailing sarah at astute.work. See you next time. Yeah.